Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's real. Thank you that it's a double-edged sword, able to minister into our lives and do something incredible. We thank you that our prayers are going out and that people are seeing lives transformed. We thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. We pray, Lord God, that we would listen to your word today and we would see you minister in incredible ways. Amen. All right. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through to the end of the chapter. If you've got your Bibles there, you can please open them up. You need to look along with us today so that you can see what I'm talking about and keep me on track. It says this, and I'm reading from the NLT just to confuse you. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you are going through, as if someone strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have joyful, wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed, for the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, you must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. For the time has come for judgment, and it will begin in the God's house. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits for those who have never obeyed God's good news? And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to the godless sinners? So if you are suffering in a manner that is pleasing to God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to be with God. For God, who created you, will never fail you. Challenging bit of scripture, isn't it? Let's see what God says to us today. I want to paint a picture of the, the great Australian dream. Anyone who works hard and makes good choices can be happy and successful. Does that sound like a good dream? Work hard, make good choices, get all the good stuff. Get all the good house, get all the good car, have all the good kids and have the good wife or husband, as it may be. All right. Is that a good dream? Is that fair? Yeah. Is it real? No, because I've got the good wife. Anyone else got a good wife? Yeah, lots of hands going up. Good. Excellent. Anyone got a good husband? Oh, less hands. <laughs> but it's a dream and it, and it should be something we should say, yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, I want a good wife. I want to be a good husband. Yep, I want to have a good family. I want to sow good into my family. Yep, I want to provide. Yep, I don't want them to have to walk around in a Flintstones type car. It'd be good to have one with petrol or electric or something that actually goes instead of breaks down all the time. But is that the focus of what our dream is meant to be about? Peter understands that the gospel and its consequences quite differently to this dream. He says, don't be surprised about the fiery trial that you are experiencing. Don't think it's strange when you go through a tough time. Making good choices is good. And by all means, can I encourage you to make good, wise choices. But don't expect that by doing good all the time will always mean that you will be healthy Wealthy and popular. If that's what you want, there's no guarantees. All of us live this life in amazing ways, don't we? 
Uh, some of us, as I talk with some, some of us are visiting doctors re- recently. Some of us are wearing marks from those visits. Now, I thought I lived quite well, but apparently playing cricket out in the sun all day is not a good thing for your forearms. You get burnt, you get sun cancers, you get them cut out as you get old. I'm worried about my nose. Very worried about my nose. When we make good choices, but sometimes those choices end up going wrong for whatever reason. No rhyme, no reason, no understanding. But if we're suffering for Jesus, that is a good thing. If we look at the biblical story and we'll see that God is following God is no guarantee that we will escape some suffering. If we read the book of Hebrews chapter 11, you will see so many of the good stories, so many of the answered prayer. So good. But then if you keep reading, you'll find those that didn't get rescued, those that didn't get saved, but stayed faithful in following God unto death. Give give you an example from the book of Acts. Peter gets arrested. So the church gets together, prays, Amazing things happen in the prison. Angel sets Peter free. Peter goes to the door, knocks on the door of the prayer meeting and no one comes to it because, or someone comes to it and then she tells them and they say, don't be silly, he's in jail, we'll go back to prayer. And there he is right at the door, knocking on the door. He escapes jail, he isn't killed. James, however, goes to jail and is executed. Same people prayed, most probably, Probably in the same prayer room. One and the other. In a book that I'm reading, it called uh, What If Jesus Was Serious About Prayer. Isn't that a good title? What If Jesus Was Serious About Prayer? I'm telling you, he is serious about prayer. Chapter 26 has a title and it's called this. If Jesus was serious, then we would care more about being faithful than being respected. Faithful than being respected. He goes into that chapter to explain his understanding of that. And faithful means we pray and we're faithful in prayer. But we leave the answers in whose hands? God's hands. But a lot of the time when we pray, we would rather make sure that we get the right answers. And so we start to manipulate stuff so that we get the right outcome and therefore be respected. Because sometimes when we pray and we don't get the way that we pray, we look like a goose. You know what I mean? But sometimes we just got to say, hey, God's called me to pray and I'll be faithful no matter what. Sometimes the enemy comes up and says, yeah, yeah, last time you prayed it wasn't so good. And sometimes we go, okay, yeah, that's a good point. Maybe I shouldn't pray. No. No. God calls us to be faithful. Faithful. We're coming up to Christmas and there's a story at Christmas time about the children. And it illustrates powerfully the people's typical response to God's work in the world. Herod, King Herod, reacted to the news that the Messiah was being born, not by rejoicing and sending gifts to the baby shower, but he got angry at the perceived rival that was being born. And like Peter's audience in Asia Minor, the slaughtered babies of Bethlehem and the parents who loved those babies, so amazing, had done nothing wrong. And yet they went through such a trauma. 
But because someone rejected who Jesus was and felt threatened by God's good news, they made terrible choices. God's work in and through Jesus is at the centre of Peter's message. According to Peter, the fiery trial that the Christians in Asia Minor were experiencing was a test. As Shakespeare simply said it, all that glitters is not gold. Like a fire that melts down the metal and separates pure gold from the contaminants and the additives, suffering strips away our externals. What is the effect? It leaves us with who we really are. And what will we let go of through our times of trial? Will we get rid of the stuff and hold on to Jesus? Or will we hold on to the stuff and let go of Jesus? In the Solomon Islands, there's a little crab called the coconut crab which gets quite big. You can eat them. They're quite nice. No, no, not apparently. They are quite nice. I have eaten them. Now, the problem with coconut crabs is they're slippery little suckers and they're very fast. And they don't come out during the day. They come out at night time. So if you're going to catch them, you've got to stay up late. And in the Solomon Islands, where not a lot of torches happen, it's tricky. So you've got to have a good moon. So there's all these things that have to happen. But there's one thing about coconut crabs that is their downfall they love coconut and so during the day where there's lots of coconuts in the Solomon Islands you grab a few coconuts, you bust them open and you go find the coconut crab holes and if the hole's that big then you get a bit of coconut bigger than the hole got the idea? coconut crab comes out at night time, grabs the coconut chompa 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 you get up sun gets up crab goes to run away into his hole guess what the coconut's too big he can't get down the hole all he needs to do to escape the people walking along the beach picking up coconut crabs is let go of the coconut and he can go down his hole and be safe but guess what he loves the coconut so much or she loves the coconut so much They never let go. And people walk along and they just merrily pick them up. And and guess the other good part is those sharp little clawy things. They're not biting you because they're holding onto the coconut. Even their defensive weapons are no good because they're holding onto the coconut. And I wonder if we are like the coconut crab at times where we will hold on to stuff that we think is so important and we don't let it go. And we don't let God work in and through our lives. Peter emphasises this, that Christians must ensure that their actions actually are in accordance with God's will. Though at some stage, some of the readers of this passage may not have been. For example, he says, They who follow Jesus should not become a murderer. You imagine that in some discipleship manual? Come, follow Jesus, kill all your enemies. It's not there. And so as a follower of Jesus, going about doing that is not what God calls us to do. In fact, Jesus takes us to the next level, isn't it? He says, if you're going to follow me, you're not even meant to hate people. Don't be a murderer. The next one, don't be a thief. You can't be a thief for Jesus. Doesn't work. Next one, evildoer. Yeah, doesn't, doesn't mesh. But then the next one, now I'm going to have a go at, at saying this one. Um, the New Revised Standard Version translates this word, allotrikapakakapatis. Is that close, Brendan? 
He's laughing. So it must have been pretty close. It says, it translated as mischief maker. So if you're going to follow Jesus, you're not even meant to be a mischief maker. But according to one of the commentaries I read, one of the translations that we could read there is busybody. Now, if you've got your Bibles there, the word is either mischief maker, busybody, or in the NLT one I read, it says prying into people's affairs. What other versions have we got? Anyone? What was that, Nat? Troublesome meddler. So if you're going to follow Jesus, you can't be a troublesome meddler. Okay? Anyone else? What was that one, Johnny? Meddler. No meddling. If you're going to follow Jesus, no meddling. Anyone else? You got the idea? So it's a little tricky word. Do you want me to have another go at it, Brendan? No. (laughs) He doesn't want me to get it right twice. That's very nice of you, Brendan. All right. Christians are to avoid being these overlords of other people. They are not called to oversee other people's behaviour. Facing social rejection because they are interfering nuisances is quite different to saying that they follow Jesus. These are challenges for us in these days, aren't they? Because it's easy for us to get in there and think we're doing things for the sake of the gospel, but all we're doing is meddling, being a troublemaker, causing angst and hurt. On the other hand, if we are ridiculed as Christians and mocked as Christ's lackeys or God-botherers because we follow Jesus, then we should not be ashamed. Being associated with Christ is not an insult, but it's a badge of honour. Jesus' teaching in the Beatitudes. How many remember the Beatitudes that we did just recently? Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil things against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. So Peter's grabbing hold of the teaching from Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Although the world may revile and shame Christians for following Jesus, God honours and blesses you. Whose opinion is going to count in the end? Whose opinion is going to count in the end? Many of you know this book. I've talked about this book numerous times. I've bought a number of copies and apparently, uh, Lois, you've still got one? You've got one anyway. Uh, that is an amazing book. That is a terrible book. You see what I'm saying? It's amazing because it's just incredible. It's terrible because it'll challenge you and you won't be the same. I'm going to read you a story from it today. I think I may have read it before. If you've heard it, then it's worth hearing again. In this part of the book, it's about uh, persecution in Russia. Pastors and church leaders were arrested and imprisoned. Their wives were pressured to divorce them. Children were discouraged from writing to their imprisoned fathers. Sons and daughters of known believers would be kept after school and questioned and badgered by a panel of teachers who who degenerated, who made fun of the family's faith. Classmates for their families, backward, traitorous and anti-communist beliefs. I think they're having a tough day. I think the pastors and leaders and people who want to follow Jesus at this time were having tough times. Could you imagine being made to divorce people? Can you imagine being told never to write to your father who is imprisoned in heaven? This story goes on about a guy called Dimitri. Uh, Dimitri was in a small Russian village and uh, he had a small home. Uh, The churches had all been destroyed and the nearest church to him was three days' walk away. Not 
three days drive in a car, but three days walk. So this guy, Nick Gripkin, goes and visits Dimitri, and Dimitri tells of his story. When all this happened, uh, Dimitri felt God say to him, uh, you've got two sons. You need to share with your sons the Bible. He had a copy of one of the only Bibles in the village. And so he started once a week sitting down with his family. And when he went to his wife, he said, honey, this is something I, sh- I think God's told me to do. She just went crazy. She said, praise God, I've been praying that God will get you to step up and be a leader. And so here's Dimitri sitting there with his Bible, sharing the stories with his two boys and his wife. And the story goes on that the neighbours hear about this. And all of a sudden, 10 people turn up. 15 people turn up. 25 people turn up. And listen to this. By the time the little group grew to 25 people, the authorities had noticed this. The local party officials came to see Dimitri and threatened him physically, which was to be expected. What upset Dimitri more than that was their accusation that he had started an illegal church. The accusation against him, he had started an illegal church. This is what Dimitri said. You ready? How can you say that, he argued. I have no religious training. I am not a pastor. This is not a church building. We are just a group of family and friends who get together. We are All we are doing is reading and talking about the Bible, singing and praying, and sometimes sharing what money we have to help those out who are our poor neighbours. How can you call that the church? No? I thought that would have more impact. It is the church. But Dimitri didn't see it as a church. He wasn't a church planter in his head. He was just someone following Jesus. And as you follow Jesus, you learn about the Bible together. And you tell your friends and neighbours about it. And when they're doing it tough, you pray for them. And when they're doing it really tough, you give them money and help them out. He didn't see that being a church. That's just an everyday follower of Jesus. I wonder what we can learn. Nick Ripkin says he laughed at the irony of this claim. Anyway, it goes on. The church continued to grow, 25, 50, it kept going. At the, at the number of 50, Dimitri lost his job. At 60, his wife was sacked from being a teacher and the boys were expelled from school. I think they're having a bad week. At 75... Dimitri's house was raided. They grabbed him, they pushed him, they shoved him, and they slapped him. And they slammed him against the wall. And in a cold voice they said, We warned you, we warned you, and I will not warn you again. If you do not stop this nonsense, this is at least the minimum that will happen to you. At that time, a little old lady stepped forward, sounding like an Old Testament prophet, She declared, you have laid your hands on the man of God. You will not survive. If you want to find out what happened to the guard, you can grab the book. (laughs) And you don't even know where it is. No, no, it's the other book. 
The bad news for Dimitri was he was put in jail for 17 years for starting an illegal church, where for him, all he did was be a follower of Jesus. 17 years. You say it quickly, it sounds like a short time. I don't think I'd cope well with two weeks quarantine in a nice apartment with hopefully a view and food being brought to me. 17 years. Knowing my wife had no job, my kids were shunned, all because of following Jesus. Peter tells the readers to rejoice And Dimitri did. You read the next chapter, it's called Song Heart, and we just sang about a song in our heart. We enter the fellowship of his suffering, and we know that God raised Jesus from the dead and he exalted to a place of honour higher than all others, and we rejoice in anticipation of knowing that ultimately Christ's glory will be revealed in the whole world. When the world mocks us for following where Jesus leads us, we should be filled with joy. The spirit of glory and the very spirit of God rests on us. Like Jesus, we have been anointed with the spirit and we are God's house, the earthly dwelling place of God Almighty. We are called to be confident in God, not complacent. As Christians, we are not exempt from God's judgment. On contrary, Peter says in this passage that the judgment will start in the house. The first people in our community that should be repenting is us. And we go out holy and purified and forgiven and minister, which we've done this morning. How should we live when we find ourselves passing through the refiner's fire? Peter calls us to trust in our creator, the judge who is trustworthy and just. And as Nat has already pointed out, whether you had a good day or a bad day or a good week or a bad week, Jesus was with you. Trusting God God does not mean that we wait passively for the world to change Like the one whose footsteps we follow, we are called to action. We are called to do good in Christ's name and to the honour and glory of our mighty God. Every spiritual blessing from God is what we get while we walk with Jesus on earth. Yes, trouble may find its way to our doorstep and burdens may leap upon our shoulders and hardship may cause us to stumble. But in and through it all, his peace is ours. His joy, that's indescribable, is ours. His freedom, which is unexplainable, is ours. His love, which is outrageous. His mercy, that is generous. His grace, that is undeserving. His presence, that is soothing. And his wisdom, that's assuring, is ours in Christ. Today, as always, we get to choose. Will I live God's way? Will I be known by love? Will I live by faith? Will I be a voice of hope? Or will I do it my way? Our choice. Your choice. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for 1 Peter. I thank you for the challenges that are in it. I ask, Lord God, that you would speak to us. Maybe today we'll read through it again, Lord, and just have a listen to what you would say to us by your spirit. Father, I want to be a man of action. I repent of areas in my life where I whinge and complain. And according, uh, comparing to Dimitri, I've got nothing there, Lord. 
And I just want to take hold of what you've got for me and for us as a church. And Lord, we want to continue to see your name glorified in this place and outside these four walls with all our neighbours, with all our friends, with those that we love and care for, those we get to do life with. Father God, may those we're praying for see the transformation or work of your Holy Spirit in and through their lives. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen.